Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. I was uh, preparing this morning, uh, just trying to slow my the pace down. Of course, that's not hard when I first get up. I'm really going slow. And a song came through my mind. Do you know the song? I'm not going to sing it. I thought if I did sing it, it would be in the first service, not when I'm live in the second, but um, I'm still not going to sing it. Uh, you know the song. goes like this. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ his son. And then it goes into the chorus part. And, and now let the weak say, and let the poor say, because of what the Lord has done for us. That's why we can do it. And so on this Thanksgiving, we do that. Let's do that. The weak, if you're feeling you're a bit weak, then that's the time you say, listen, in the Lord, I'm strong. And remind yourself why you're strong in the Lord, because of what the Lord has done for us. He's already done it. It's complete. It's over. Uh, now we get to live it through. There's not one more thing you need from God to be all that he wants you to be. He's already accomplished it all for you. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, I welcome visitors with us. Uh, We have some family from Colwyn, and it's good to see you. Colwyn's brother and family from Mississauga. And, of course, again, uh, Colwyn's mother, Avis, with us. Colwyn has, uh, she's been gracious. She is uh, stepping in these weeks to just lead us in worship. Uh, Today's just her second day. Uh, She leaned over to me this morning. She says, it seems like I've been here forever. And uh, I'm not sure if that's good or bad, but uh, we are thankful. We're thankful for you. And we have been talking, and we really felt that this was an important topic in these next number of months and maybe longer, that we have to have a retake on life, on life. Not just because of COVID-19, but because really of all the disruptions. And it's, yes, it's COVID, but there's a lot of other disruptions going on. There's a lot of tension in government a lot of tension in world government. Yesterday, I was watching in North Korea as they had some sort of parade, and they were boasting of their ability to send missiles anywhere in the world. And, and that will always be with us until, <laughs> until the second coming of our Lord. It's going to be with us. Because there is sin, we are a sin-sick people, and without Christ, we do that. And even with Christ, we have to really keep surrendering our lives daily in order for that not to creep into our own heart. We don't have to be blasting missiles at each other. We don't have to be in front of national television. We just have to have it in our heart and our thoughts and our minds, and it tends to slip out when we talk to each other things that are not of the Lord. Well, God has a better plan. And the exciting thing about faith in Christ Jesus is that you enter into a journey 
I tend to be a person that the, you know, uh, the end is what it's about and the journey is the means to get there. But when it comes to the faith, it really is the journey that God is interested in. It's the journey of your life. It's the everyday walk. And you can't help but when you begin to read through the Bible, you will see that it is a daily walk that God is very much interested in investing in you, the daily walk of faith. Last week, we were talking of the first, it was really the first one, doing life together. And in doing life together, we were talking about Jesus was making reference that the greatest thing is your relationship of love to God. And, he said, and your relationship demonstrated to your neighbor. He didn't just say people over in a foreign land. He said people that you know, people that have a face, a name, you know them. You cross-sector with them. We ended by making this our statement. I was with uh, ministers this week. We were praying, and, and I was saying, you know, this has, been my, this has been my tethered point this week. Be a good neighbor. Be the neighbor God wants me to be. So I'm not looking as to who is my neighbor. I'm, I'm getting up saying I am going to be a good neighbor to people who come across my path. Be a good neighbor. Today I want to talk about the second thing that is... Uh, dear to the heart of our Lord. And that is doing life together, number two. You were formed for God's family. Everybody say family. You were formed for God's family. And I want to start with, there's two things I want to highlight here. The first one is about being a child of God. Being a child of God. God wants a family. And so he created mankind. You go to early Genesis, you read, and you quickly pick up in all the things that God created, and it is marvelous. David would say, um, who is man that you are mindful of him? I mean, when you go out at night, if you can get away from the city lights and look up, and it's a clear night, it's, it truly is awesome. When you behold even just the things he's created, and isn't this time of the year uh, beautiful? I'm thinking we might be hitting our peak maybe in a few days from now. I don't think we're there yet. Maybe a few days from now. Uh, I'm, I've, I've, I'm hoping to get uh, one of my favorite places is the Hockley Valley, and just to travel through the Hockley Valley, go through Airport Road, go on up to uh, Cremor and places like that, and just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Look out over the area. You can't help but be your breath taken away. There's a God behind all of this. And then look at the animals we have. Now, not all the animals. I think we have some animals that are, I'm not sure <laughs> what motivates them. And I'm looking right at you, Arlene, the cat. Uh, I, every time I see her, I say, what, how has the cat attacked you most recently? Uh, you know, you just wonder, where is God in this animal right here? But he is. When we look at our dogs, cats, birds, fish, whatever you might have, you see the splendor of God. What did you say? Yeah, our daughter has seven highly killer snakes, and it's just like, why? But anyway, I'm not going to say that in the second service where she'll be watching me. God has created the animals. In that, he has uniquely made mankind. Here's the thing. God made us because he wants family. Uh, he breathes soul into us. 
we were made in his likeness and in his image. But here's the thing. Every human being was created by God, but not everyone is a child of God. Every human being was created by God. And if you say we are family, we are family in the essence of the human family. And he created us family. But not everyone is a child of God. Now, this is really important because I can't tell you how many funerals I've been at where whoever was speaking, some minister, has said, we're just all children of God. We are as a family of people. We're part of a family. But God has been very distinctive in that sin has separated us from our Father. And you go to the Old Testament, all that which takes you up to the book of Matthew, you go to the Old Testament and you will see that nations, the people groups, were separated from a heavenly father. He was not father to them. Their father was the works of their hand. Their father was their own heart. He was not their father. Were they created by God? Yes, he's the creator. But he is not their father. And God established a covenant, the covenant through circumcision, his people, and through his people, they would then be a nation, a chosen nation under God, a nation he would call his own. But they were separate from the other people. And so through the covenant, you could come into relationship. Now in the New Testament, Jesus, the Son of God, came and he became the law so that we could be children of God. So I come back to that statement because, man, we, this is a foggy one. This is one we're going to get in, no, you're not here, but I get into some good, good debates on this one. Every human being was created by God, but not everyone is a child of God. The only way you can enter into God's family is to be born again. Be born again. And of course, people were, how can you be born again? You can't go back in, come back out. But born again in the way that You die to yourself and you live for Christ. And his spirit comes and it's by faith in Jesus Christ. There's no other way. We can believe in this. We can believe in that. You can go to church all your life and never be born again. You can do good works. And that is good. Does not mean you're born again. Born again is only through faith in Jesus Christ, God's son. Romans 8, 15 says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Do you have that? Adoption. You gotta be adopted. And by him, him, Jesus, we cry, Abba, Father, Dad, Dad. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. How? Through adoption. Who through? Jesus. Whereby we can say, Dad. Through Jesus. Adopted. Now we're children of God. And the invitation to be part of God's family is universal. Every man and woman of every tribe and every nation is universal. But the one condition is faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3, 26. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. I have a question for you. Which do you consider is more important? Your spiritual family or your physical family? You're going, oh, a trick question. 
spiritual family or physical family. Now, before we start drawing divides in this, be careful you don't minimize your spiritual family. Don't minimize the spiritual family because your spiritual family will last forever. And the reality is, is your physical family won't. So I don't know if I, I'm not going to answer that question because which is more important, spiritual family or physical family. Jesus, if you follow him, he will certainly elevate the spiritual family. He says, who is my father? Who is my mother? So he wasn't dissing his family. He wasn't minimizing his family, but he was trying to equal something that had become quite imbalanced. That is, don't minimize the spiritual family. Our physical families, wonderful gifts of God that God gives us. Not all the times we may feel that. But they're wonderful gifts of God that God has given us. It's a blessing to have a family. You know that. We are thankful, particularly on this weekend. But the reality is is that our physical families are temporary. Our physical families are so fragile. I mean, think about it. Many families broken by divorce. Insomuch that they don't talk to each other for the rest of their living life. Physical families grow distant and sometimes lose contact and really aren't functioning as a family. Physical families grow old and inevitably die. They're not with you. You no longer have relationship with them. The relationship stops at death. Physical family, that's physical family. But the moment that you were spiritually born again into God's family, you were given an astounding eternal gift. Sometimes we underestimate this eternal gift. Ephesians 1:18 says, "I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches here it is, the riches of his glorious inheritance." Let me read that again. "The eyes of your heart may be enlightened." May it be in order that you may know the hope. If you grab a hold of the significance of your spiritual family, there's a renewed hope. We're struggling with hope? Let's take a look at this. That you may know the hope to which he has called you, and he doesn't finish, comma, the riches. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So what does the inheritance mean? Well, it means you've got a family name. We get to be with God forever. He's given us a new name. It means you have a family likeness. You know, you got people in the family. You look alike. I'm trying to look down here to see if brother and sister looks alike here. I need more than just eyes, though. Um, but you start to look alike. You look alike. Uh, family privileges. We will be freed from pain and death and suffering. Hey, that's good. Family intimate access. We're rewarded and reassigned positions of service and family inheritance. We will get to share in Christ's glory. We are rich in God's family. Remember, we're talking about being in God's family. We're talking about how we can do life together. And there's something amazing about God's family. So you're far richer than you realize. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. This means your eternal inheritance, 
inheritance. No one can steal it. No one can take it. It will not rust. War cannot take it down. If you're poor, doesn't matter. If you're rich, doesn't matter. The economy doesn't dictate it. Natural disaster doesn't dictate it. Your eternal inheritance is sealed. That is good family business. We're part of a great family. Praise God. I'm thankful for my spiritual family. You see, healthy families ought to have some family pride. I'm not talking about an ego thing. I'm talking about proud of your family. I'm sure if I went into your homes, I wouldn't take, it wouldn't take long for me to find some pictures of your family. Now, there may be various reasons you've got pictures of your family hanging in different places, but I'm going to suggest one of them is you're proud of them. We have them, our pictures are all over our, our stairwell. So there's frequently, I'm just stopping and I'm reliving moments on those pictures, pictures of my family. I'm proud of them. I'm proud of my family. But I'm proud of my spiritual family. I'm proud of the family that we get to share life together. Now here's the problem. Often we're not. And this is where I'm, I want to I nest for a while this morning. We often aren't doing enough with our spiritual family. Remember, our spiritual family is forever, ever. Our spiritual family are those that God has placed in usually our proximity so we can do life together. And so let's do life together. Let's not neglect the doing of life together. The spiritual family that God has given us. God loves family. And so one of the things that is important, just as I would have pictures in the home, and that's yeah, kind of a boasting point, and I do want people to ask me about them. So does God. He actually asks us, when we come into his family, he actually asks us to get baptized in water. Because, surprising, there are those who are ashamed to be in his family. And he says, the commitment that you've made to me is something that is private, but I want you to have a portrait of it. Would you get baptized? And by baptism, you are publicly saying, I'm in his family. So baptism is not a private matter. It's not a matter you hide to yourself. It's a matter where I'm in the family of God. I, I want to testify, this is the family I have joined. Matthew 28, 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right into the place of going out and sharing your faith with people, he says, and also get baptized. Get baptized too. It's not an option, it's not an optional ritual. It's not a take it or leave it. Well, I don't want to. It's, it signifies that you're included in God's family. He says, you need to do this. You need to get baptized. The reasons mentioned here identifies our second purpose in life, and that is this, participating in the fellowship of God's eternal family. And it's pregnant with meaning, baptism. It declares your faith, shares Christ's burial and resurrection, symbolizes your death and your new life. It announces You've got new life in Christ Jesus, and it celebrates your inclusion into God's family. I, I liken it to my wedding ring. My wedding ring, because I wear this doesn't mean I'm married. Because I wear this symbolizes I boast I'm married, and it's rich with meaning. I wear it. Marriage actually took place when we made the vows before each other. Marriage didn't take place just because of a certificate. It made the place because we made vows to each other in public witness our lives. 
But this becomes the symbol. And God says, listen, when you fall into, when you come into my family, you make that decision, then symbolize it through water baptism. Now, maybe some of you here have not been baptized in water. You're a follower of Jesus. You love him with all your heart. You desire to live for him. You know what it is to have your sins forgiven, but you've not gone through the waters of baptism. Then do it. We're doing life together, right? So do it. And actually, next week, we have a baptismal service. Uh, and invite you, if you've not done it, get a hold of me as soon as possible to set something up. Celebrating God through his family, surrendering my life to him. Now, there's one more thing about families. When I grew up, I had a couple siblings, and yeah, we fought. I don't know if we fought like normal siblings. I, I, I don't have a beat on that. I mean, did you guys fight when you, with your brothers and sisters? Okay, I can hear some moaning. Um, so, yeah, we had healthy conflict. Uh, it wasn't always healthy. I mean, some of the stories are just like, wow. We... Anyway, let's get off that. We could do that with each other, but make no mistake, nobody was allowed to do that to them. I could do it. I'm, I'm a sibling. But don't you do it. You see, you cross a line because that's family. That's, we felt that towards each other. And I had a big sister, man, she weighed in. And she was afraid to get physical. Uh, she's not a big person now, but boy, she seemed big when I was this big. And when she weighed in, she actually never got physical, didn't have to because she was loud. And she scared off the, the predators because she's family. Family looks after family. Fam- that's, that's a family privilege, and might I say it's a family responsibility. We need to encourage each other. We need to stand with each other. We need to spur one another on. And I'm going to suggest we don't do it well. And I'm not saying us. I'm saying the body of Christ doesn't do it all that terribly well. I want to relate something I related in a vlog a couple of weeks ago. It's back when I was 16 years old. There was a friend of mine. She said, uh, I want to teach you how to go alpine skiing. I thought, great. Sounds like a lot of fun. And so she took me to a little resort. I'm not even sure if they exist anymore. It's called Loretto Ski Resort. It was about a half an hour northeast of Orangeville and a little town called Loretto. So we went to Loretto, and it was just behind where she lived. She lived in the valley, and so just in behind where she lived. And we went there, and she was a seasoned skier. She'd been skiing as long as she had been walking. So we got there. She fitted me with some boots, and that was exciting, and you know how to get in and out of boots, and then a new set of skis. I was renting them all, and and and. I was going to break Guinea Book World Record. I was going to be the first person ever to ski down a hill all day long without falling. So we got up on the hill and, and absolutely out of control. My first time down, just, it was, I went straight. I didn't, I didn't know any better, and it was the hardest hill there. I remember, I, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Elephant Man. I sure I looked like the Elephant Man coming down that hill. I had more spins and twists and everything all day long. I was in the snow more than I was on my skis. I was chasing skis and trying to find poles. And, and I remember coming down the hill and going past a little school of kids that were being schooled by an instructor about skiing and them all like with horror watching me zip on past them, totally out of control, and saying something to this effect, kids, that's not the way we do it. That particular run, I was away out in the parking lot before I finally slowed down and stopped. And... I fell, I I did everything wrong. She worked with me, she worked with me, she worked with me. Here's the thing. I 
I can't believe how much she encouraged me. Never once did she lose her cool. Never once did she yell at me. Never once did she threaten me. If she did, I would have went home. Never once did she scream. Well, she did. She screamed, you know, turn. Never once did she call me a dummy. Never once did she say, you're impossible, I quit. Never once. And never once did she laugh. At least I didn't see her. And do you know what? I would ski for a few years after that. I mean, I gave it up after. But I would ski. Our youth group used to go skiing. I would ski because of her. She encouraged me. And I stayed at it. I repeated it. And I think that's a good illustration. The value of encouragement. Because we're falling, we're bumping, we're bruising, we're doing all those things. And we feel, we just have to have a bad look and we're ready to quit. And somebody comes along and just keeps encouraging us. Speaking acceptance and affirmation. Now let me talk about acceptance and affirmation. Acceptance, you, I receive you. There's also the place of appreciation. Appreciate, you appreciate what the person does. And let me, you affirm who they are. And so even though somebody's not doing anything right, you can still affirm them. Affirm them because of who they are. It goes deep within a person. You see, there's more to worship than coming on Sunday, singing, praying. Worship is about encouraging each other. Now you say, well, how do we do that? We got masks on. We have to stay six feet apart. You tell us to go. You tell us to come. It doesn't have to be here. As a matter of fact, there's so many different ways to encourage. It's by an email, a card, a call. You know, phones, the things that we, we watch YouTube and we you know, have it real and TikTok and all those things, they actually will call someone. So call them. Hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? Tell me about your day. Tell me about your week. Is there something I can pray for? And look for ways to encourage someone. That's worship. It's part of worship. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. I'm going to read it. Hebrews 10, 19. And at the time of the Hebrews, they were being persecuted. Their fear level was at an all-time high. And they were afraid and they were pulling apart. And they didn't know who they can trust. And they were feeling inferior and that no one was for them. They didn't even know if God was for them. And Hebrews 10, 19. Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence. Note the word confidence. Enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way opened up to us through the curtain. His body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Full of assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Having our bodies washed with pure water. Okay. okay. In other words, you got confidence. You can go there. You got confidence. Now here's the other part. Because you have confidence before God. Verse 24, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love. You want more loving people in this world? Part of it's up to you. Spur them on in love. As you love them, often reciprocal love comes back. Love on them. And good deeds. Hmm. Good deeds, deeds, good deeds, not good thoughts, not good intentions. Good deeds. In other words, you have to do it to have a deed. Good deeds. Remember, we're doing doing life together. Good deeds. Good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. So connect, connect, connect. Listen, we got to be creative these days in how we meet. 
But don't let this stop you meeting. Figure out how, like I say, call, talk, send a letter. Actually, this past week, there's somebody I was wanting to connect with, and so I did good old snail mail. Out goes the letter. I know it'll mean a lot. Just want to affirm this person. Good deeds. Not giving up meeting together somewhere in the habit of doing. It's a habit. You get into the habit. But encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. See that encouragement. number of things come out of this. Verse 22, note that. Let us draw near. Come close. Get acquainted. Draw near. Get acquainted. Actually, there's a picture. And I, do we have the picture there? Cassie, can you put it? So I have this up uh, at home. And it's not this one, but it's very similar to this. And I look at that all the time because I recognize I'm a child of God. And I will read through those things regarding my dad is saying this to me. And I need to affirm that in others. So I receive it from my father. And I talk to my father to others. In verse 23... Let us hold fast, verse 24. Let us consider how to stimulate one another, verse 25, by encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. That word encourage, by the way, is the same word, John 14, 26, where it says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. The word advocate is actually the same root word, encourage. The encourager, the Holy Spirit, will encourage you. And when I begin to encourage, I open up avenue. Listen to this. I open up avenue. Holy Spirit can begin to touch their life. People need the Holy Spirit. And when I begin to encourage, the Holy Spirit begins to touch them. Isn't that cool? The same word. John 14, 26, the same word, verse 25 in Hebrews 10. Encourage flows from the Holy Spirit to them and touches their life. And you know what? Anybody can do it. Cards, texts, emails, phone calls, token, gifts, kind deeds. There's no end to opportunity. There was a man who lost uh, his wife through divorce. Went through a very bitter divorce and uh, he lost his wife, he lost his kids. And I got a hold of a poem he wrote right after everything was lost. He was at an all-time low. And here's the poem. I want to read the poem. The days are long, but the nights are longer, the lonelier. I wait, for the, I wait for the daylight, but darkness holds me in her grip. I struggle alone. Sleep escapes me as memories of the good times, the bad. Crowd out the vestiges and leave me restless, hurting. Filling my mind with thoughts of love and hostility, of thoughtlessness and remorse, of guilt and despair. Oh God, I cry. Is there no end to the hurt? Must shame plague my steps forever? Is there not another who will walk with me, accepting, loving, caring, forgiving, willing to build with me a new life of foundations more sure, to whom I will pledge, as will she faithfulness forever? Others have cried with me in the darkness. They have cared. But in the confinements of our own humanness, the demands of their lives must take precedence. And in the end, I stand alone apart from thee. I've attempted to build again on my own, too soon, unwise, unstable. New hurts have come to tear open the wounds not yet healed. The struggle is not ended. And so I crawl, uneasy, yet unyielding to defeat and sure despair. 
toward better days, toward light that is unending, towards God who keeps me in his care. God's family and your nurture, that's the end of it. God's family and your relationship to family is so important. Encourage each other. But here's the other part. We have to let people encourage us. I want to use my backyard as an illustration. At my home, if you were to come to my home, we have a front yard, we have a backyard. Most of you do. The front yard, no fences. Front yard, anybody sees, everybody sees. You drive by, you see our front yard. You see all the things we do in our front yard. It's an open book to everybody. You're part of it. Anybody. My backyard's a little different. My backyard, I got a fence around my backyard. My backyard, it's kind of the real me. Now, I want to put our lives like our yards because our lives are like our yards in many ways. You see, we have the open part. People, things that we want others to see. It's the open me. It's the part that you see of me. But we also have our backyards. It's the fence. It's the real you, though, back there. It's the part that you don't get in unless you're invited. And so we don't invite. And you can't get in. So the outside me, the world people see, but the back is you don't get there. You don't see that. I hide that. Here's the problem. God's not a big fan of fences. As a matter of fact, he tore down the dividing wall. You tracking with me? He tore down that dividing wall. And the problem we have in our lives is we have our back fences, our fenced-in yards, the part of you, you don't let people in. And the Lord, I think, is calling us to start letting people in. Say it's not safe. Do you trust God? Is God the same God as Hebrews chapter 10? Can you still go to him? Can you still find confidence? Can you still find rest and assurance from him? Then yes, you can begin to open up your backyards. You have to. Or else you will never be able to be Good family. Anybody remember the series? Do you have that uh, clip here? Cassie, go ahead to its picture. Tim the Tool Man Taylor. I used to watch that. Oh, it's one of my favorite shows. I know. It's kind of a sad depiction of me. Wilson, next door. The entire series, you don't get to see the guy's face. And we live our lives. Kind of reminds you of your mask. We live our lives never seeing the real us. It's over the fence. I want to encourage you today. Let's not do that. Scripture, let's encourage one another all the more as we see these kinds of days approaching. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, God. That Lord's so rich meaning is what it is to be in your family. And God, I pray for any man, woman, or children here who are followers of you. We love you with our heart. God, we are committed to you. But we have yet to make that pronouncement through the waters of baptism that we are part of God's family. Then Lord, help us just to have the courage to say yes and do it. Lord, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to be encouragers and allow encouragement And it's time to let you tear down some fences. Fences that keep others out. And therefore, we remain in seclusion. So, Lord, I believe those fences keep us into a place that when we begin to tear them down, 
That's about what Pastor Trish was talking about, that we become a part of a group. We become a part of something. It's not good enough to be on a Sunday morning, but it's something to be a part of a group that will allow ourselves to interact and to let them interact with us, to get to know us. That, God, we can be a blessing and be blessed. I pray, God, that you would complete this in us. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a question before I go. On a scale of one and ten, one being the lowest, ten being the highest, here's the question. How much effort are you, put your name there, how much effort are you putting into connecting with others? One to ten. I want you, I'm not gonna, you're not gonna yell it out, but I do need you to have that number in your head. How much effort are you putting into connecting with others? What number do you come up with? How much effort? Okay, come up with that number. And what would you need to do to raise that number one or two levels in the next month? What would it take for you to bring it up one or two more by this time next month, November? And can I ask you, why don't you do it? Just do it. Let's do life together. Amen? God bless you. Time's up. Lord bless you. Be blessed this Thanksgiving. I know some of you maybe have family. Some don't have family to be with. Hope you can call. Get a hold of them. Let's reach out. Let's bless one another. Lord bless you. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.